Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! Welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Know Your Roots Podcast. I'm Robbie, and I'm sitting here with Rowit. What's up, man? How you doing, Robbie? I'm doing good. We're sitting here, and I'm contemplating how much I know about this topic, and... About 45% of it I'm familiar with, and that's the shoe side of it. But the other end is a specialty of you, my friend. That's very nice of you to say, Robbie. I mean, one of the first things I learned about you, you quickly brought up the wrestling. Like, sure. You like your wrestling. I do. It's been one of those things where I'm not a long-suffering fan of a particular franchise because most of my franchises that I support have a level of competence behind them. Mm-hmm. And so I commiserate with a lot of my friends that were, let's say, Nick fans or the Lakers fans from the past couple of years Six before years. LeBron got there. So that void that I have in my life is filled by a particular organization, and that organization is the WWE or the WWF, as it was once known. Yeah, I was thinking, how do, how am I going to title this thumbnail? Is it going to be like WWE, WWF? What's like the PC version of? You know, yeah. addressing wrestling. And Vince McMahon would like you to get the F out because that was the whole point of their marketing campaign when they made the switch from F to E. So it's Is get the, was get the F out exactly. So the reason why there was a change in the name was the fact that the World Wildlife Fund felt that people can differentiate between panda bears being endangered and grown men swinging chairs at one another. So they hit the WWE with a lawsuit. The lawsuit basically is told WWE, all right, it's not worth it. We're going to change our name. They had the hilarious marketing campaign that we just alluded to. So they had that going for them. But it's definitely been a struggle to be a wrestling fan. And there have been lights at the ends of the tunnel that make me want to stop watching. But then there are also positive lights where I'm like, you know what? This isn't bad because... At the end of the day, wrestling will forever be entwined in my life, much like The Simpsons were, because that's how I learned English. So that's the connection there. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you something, brother. Please tell me you were walking around the house as a little kid. <laughs> I may or may not have told somebody to suck it once, and that was a ban from wrestling for a good six weeks. So yeah. Oh, you just said it? No. No, no, it's fine. Suck the candy cane. It's of Christmas course. time. It but, was the middle of July. So as, as little as I know about wrestling, I had the idea of this as a topic because, you know, Dan, was it Gamach is his formal, is his government name, if we will. But um, Mosh Customs, um, M-A-C-H-E 275 on Instagram and all major platforms. But Mosh Customs, anybody who follows the Sneaker History podcast 
is pretty damn aware of who that man is. And he's easily the most recognizable customizer. So there's a distinction I like to make between a customizer and then like a cobbler. Okay. So like the shoe surgeon is more of a cobbler. He will JBF customs. Like they will, they will craft you a shoe. Mosh and zero, you know, dirt to his name will take something that's already created and just make it whatever you want it to be. So, so it's almost a refinement in a sense. It's a one of one for whatever you want that one to be. It's that one for you. He'll he'll do anything from like a wedding engagement pair of Jordans to a Kobe Bryant tribute to custom cleats for Stefan Diggs for his local for his originating, I believe he's a Minnesotan. Shout out to Minnesota, Twin Cities. Um he's a you know a diehard Vikings fan, so he does a lot of work for them. Does a lot of MLB work, but he also does WWE work. And that's what made me think the only thing I know about wrestling really is that Mosh does customs for some of these men and women and they're super dope shoes. And outside of that, I don't know what's going on, but the shoes are dope. And absolutely. I mean, I'll watch anything to see a pair of shoes on TV to see what it's going to be. It's always interesting when you have these different varying interests and they intersect. So I had a moment similar to that, and this is something we'll use to kind of begin this conversation, is around the fact that Mach did a pair for Kofi Kingston. And Kofi Kingston, for those of you that may not know, was the first African-American heavyweight champion of the world. And that's part of wrestling's complicated history is the fact that when we think about minorities in wrestling, unfortunately, it's always at the expense of outdated stereotypes where they come across as characters. That really drunk Irishman or like the Asian person. They, yeah, it's just- yes. I mean, we've got, let's see, Asians that were constantly referencing of chopping peepees. We've had soul men and women. We've had militant black men and women. And it's always been one of those things where it's pandering to the lowest common demographic. And what's frustrating to me is I have a lot of friends that have been negatively impacted, let's say, by some of these stereotypes as well, yet we still continue to watch. And that's where I go back to that Knicks comparison where the product is so trash, but when the highs are high, there's no better feeling to be a part of than watching something that truly captivates you, captures all of your emotions, manipulates them in such a way that you're like, I'm done with this. Why am I watching grown men do this to one another? But the hope that it generates, the passion that it elicits is why I think a lot of us keep coming back for more. But that also may be the Stockholm Syndrome in me. I mean, my real experiences with wrestling was when I was a kid and I was kind of more open to anything. And like my wrestling is Stone Cold Steve Austin, Stone Cold Stunner. I like to say that I'm a Stone Cold Stunner, completely out of context, just because I think it sounds cool. I think you are. And it's one of those things that I am taken back by your beauty every time I see you. So I'm a stone cold stunner. You're a stone cold stunner. And you have sure. The Rock. You have The Rock. You have um, Sting. You do. And you have Andre the Giant. Herb Hulk Hogan. Hogan. Yes. The Macho Man, Randy Savage. Randy Savage. Um, Ric Flair. Woo. Say, woo. Ric Flair go say, woo, on a trick. So I'm like, that's all I know about. Only thing I knew about Ric Flair is that he's like down with hip hop, right? I don't know why. Maybe you'll be able to shed light on this too. Like why Ric Flair is like so hip hop, like why everybody with hip hop loves Ric Flair. Absolutely. He is basically the embodiment of the spirit of flossing. Like he was the one that always had the $800 gators on his feet. He was always the one that was being braggadocious about his sexual exploits and 
every local city from here and there. He may have referenced a member of his anatomy to Space Mountain. <laughs> there, that was also recently brought up because there was his a room. Uh, think more forward. <laughs> exactly. Although that's the great divide if there's ever been one, I guess, but that's neither here or there. And I hope to God my parents are still listening to this episode. Right. I'm going to love to do the debrief on this one. But Ric Flair is just the guy that is the epitome of cool. The way I can kind of illustrate it in terms of another love that you and I share is hip hop. Killer Mike from Run the Jewels recently did an interview about how he identified more with Ric Flair as a kid because for all of his heelish and villainous tendencies, he represented a real life person. Whereas Hulk Hogan, who is often the gateway drug for a lot of people to get into wrestling, seemed very disingenuous and fake. And Killer Mike made this really telling observation that Hulk Hogan represents the pharmaceutical corporations of America okay. because he's always telling you to take your prayer or take your vitamins and say your prayers. And Killer Mike surmised that that's not necessarily the most transparent and most pragmatic way to live your life. That's wild. Oh, another level of woke. And that, that's super dope. That, that's killing Mike. I mean, we could do it. I, can, I now can see it in my brain. Like that's a really acute observation. Like that's, that's good. Um, but outside of that and all those wrestlers, I mean, they weren't rocking kicks. Like there wasn't like an intersection. Maybe there was, and tell me if there was so much between like music, like there is hip hop to Ric Flair and now shoes to all these like younger wrestlers and to mosh like there's like there's more intertwinement between what i'm trying to say is like in my mind wwf or wwe now has always been like wrestling in its own category sure. it's confined it's you're a wrestling fan and wrestling's wrestling and wrestling things happening in wrestling absolutely now it's like other things are starting to you know you know break through the wall absolutely i think the idea of swim lanes used to exist but we live in this era now where i like a little bit of chocolate in my peanut butter so to speak mm -hmm. and i can see these different intersection points where i'm watching wrestling and up until let's say 2010 everybody wore black wrestling boots and they were very nondescript then somebody had the idea of you know what it's don't call steve austin has black boots absolutely then let's realize that hey i'm a high-flying wrestler and those wrestling boots may work for me but i realized I can complete the illusion and perform even better if I'm wearing low cut basketball sneakers. So mm -hmm. we started seeing the influx of there. And I think it became a tipping point where once we saw one thing get into this establishment where it's almost closed off. If you talk to wrestling fans and wrestlers, they're very protective of their business because I think years and years of ridicule have done that where there's this persecution complex of, you know what? I do like this. I don't want to bring this up in a large public gathering because I'm worried about the ridicule that it has. Then when you get the hot tag, so to speak, of hip hop or basketball into that wrestling, then you realize, hey, you know what? Wrestling is cool because LeBron James once showed up at a WWE Rock on, uh, event when he first got his paycheck with Cleveland. And there's this old video of LeBron with his flip phone taking photos of the Dudley Boys and Stacey Keebler. And it's one of those things that you see these moments over and over again. You don't hide your wrestling fandom anymore. You kind of wear it on a sleeve and then you wear it out and about. And one thing that's been really interesting is the Knicks-like behemoth that I referenced earlier, the WWE, has always operated almost in a, in a monopoly sense. They've been the only game in town. They're the biggest game. It's where every wrestler hopes to get to at some point in their career. 
Now, what's happened is their roster is so big that certain talents are going underappreciated and they don't know what to do because that paycheck is that paycheck and you can't get a higher paycheck because you're at the pinnacle of your industry. But we saw enough of a sea change that people decided, you know what, I'm no longer going to sacrifice my craft. I'm going to go to the indies, which is almost like a minor league equivalent where you may not have the consistency of year round dates like a WWE provides. But you get the possibility for higher merchandising and higher creative control. Because at the end of the day, everybody likes to point to the fact that wrestling is fake. I wouldn't say it's fake because those hits are real. The pain and the punishment that they endure is real. The outcomes are predetermined. It's just an idea of how do we get to this predetermined outcome. So that's the biggest misconception. Now, once again, kind of illustrating what the differences are between the minors or the indies and what the professional scene like the WWE is, creative control. The WWE is exclusively run for an audience of one, and that's Vincent Kennedy McMahon, the CEO. He has been a family businessman in terms of- Took it from his dad. Yeah, Yeah. his dad was also a wrestler. His kids are- also going to probably pick up the baton when Vince is no longer with us. And how this ties back to sneakers is Mach gifted Shane McMahon, Vince McMahon's oldest son, a pair of Jordans every time he has a big match. And Shane McMahon is one of these specialty wrestlers where he only comes out once every two or three years. But when he does come out, it's this big event because he's almost like this prodigal son that's returned. Mm -hmm. So that is another talking point or a flashpoint where we see this interaction between sneakers and wrestling and we're like you know what you're amplifying one but it's not at the expense of another they're truly rising up and i liked your assessment earlier where wrestling people are very regimented that they only live and breathe wrestling that's no longer the case and i think that's also a sign of the things and times we live in where we can hop and we can have different interests So it's been refreshing to see people that I don't normally associate with wrestling fans become wrestling fans. And I'll give you this example. I was at a boxing gym. I just started a box this year as part of the whole New Year resolution thing. And I noticed a guy in my class wearing a design that is associated with wrestling. So I go up to him and I give him that wrestler's handshake. And without skipping a beat, he reciprocates. He gives me a dab. He's like, yo, man, I never knew that you were also a wrestling fan. I'm so hyped right now. And it's that moment that previously was done behind closed doors is now out in the open that makes it all the more worthwhile because when you watch product that the WWE is displaying right now, which I could be very kind and say is more than likely very stale and not exciting, you have these interactions on a day-to-day level that justify putting in this passion and this love to it. It's such a love that you can literally go up to a stranger in your class and it's approached with the handshake of another man that you've never met. Yes. And just without a beat being missed. It's pop, pop, pop. Pop, pop, pop. I mean, it's the same way that I assume that you as a sneakerhead and you're one of the defining sneakerheads in my life, if not the defining sneakerhead, you're in a line somewhere and you see somebody where, let's say a Jordan 14, that's maybe not that well known Jordan, like let's say an 11 or a one or a three. But if you go up to that person, there's that similar experience of, hey man, I really like those Jordan 14s. Like, oh, no way. I love Jordan 14s. I never thought people realized the greatness of a shoe. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation for the podcast is because I saw a lot of similarities between shoes and wrestling and how wrestling has kind of opened up from its it's gone out of its lane and let other things in, but shoes have too. shoes are now in every 
which way part of culture. And Mosh has done stuff from like, recently he did a Popeye's chicken dunk. He's done stuff for Gino Oriyama at UConn. Sure. Way back in the day, Iron Man LeBron's um, did stuff custom for Migos. I mean, so many things that aren't shoes that are music, food, entertainment, where they're all kind of coming together. When I started seeing the wrestling stuff, I was like, that's, that's interesting. I don't know about the wrestlers, but I like the shoes. And if I saw the shoes on the wrestler, I would like the wrestler. So by proxy, I'm starting to like the wrestler. I've already bought you a replica belt. I'm just waiting for you to, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> That'd be so funny. I'm going to put it, I hope it's like cat size so I can put it on. I know my, my uncle used to work at Mattel and he, we would always get our way with the employee store down at Mattel. And I would always get all the WWE belts. And oh, merch. of course. Yeah. All the merch. So there's some shoes here done by Mosh. And some of them are interspliced with other customizers. But of wrestlers, I have no idea who they are. So I thought maybe it'd be fun to go through and have you maybe shed some light for some other sneakerheads and sport fans. Those two lanes who don't know anything about this third lane, who these people are. Absolutely. And one other thing, because we are an interactive show, if there's anything you disagree with, let us know at Sneaker History on all the major platforms, at Robbie702 on Instagram and Twitter, at M on Instagram, or at Roheezy on Twitter. Because as much as I love having this discussion with Robbie, the only way this can be better is if we include you, the listener, as well. So by all means, I would love to hear all feedback as with Robbie, but let's go ahead and get started. You wrestling fans better come correct with the with the audio version of the wrestling handshake to Rowan's oh, conversation. No, no, see, I, I feel like I'm once again going to be offering my hand out to you, the proverbial listener. Hopefully you reciprocate back. So let's see what's going on here. So the first one here is the Sasha Banks Air Jordan 1 mid. It's pink. It's well, I'm kind of colorblind, so it's like reddish pink. Maybe it's red. You tell me. Yep, tell. I, I think it's exactly that. It's almost that reddish pink that you had alluded to, Robbie. And there's a picture of Sasha Banks on the bottom right. Of the stony. Th- it's like rhinestone. Very round. What's that have to do with her personal? Who is she? So Sasha Banks is the boss, and one of her claims to fame is she is the related to Snoop Dogg. I believe they're cousins. Okay. So she embodies that boss lifestyle where she's the baddest, baddest bitch in the room. She has no time for anybody because she is the head bitch in charge. Almost bordering on Ric Flair's level of confidence, which we appreciate, but she's also got a lot of technical prowess. She is a wrestler that truly knows how to sell the moves of her opponent, which is probably the number one characteristic we evaluate good wrestlers as, is how well can they make the other guy or girl look really good and right now i think sasha banks is one of the if not the best female wrestler in the world and that's current that's so, current so she's new she's newer but yeah. she's not new she's been a wrestler for a long time i'd say about she's been known prominently for about five years so she's still very much in her primer okay cool that prime. so she's not the tail end no so the seth rollins guy yes the nike metcon one, which in the Sneaker History podcast, we brought that up as the gym shoe of all gym shoes. So this is really funny because Seth Rollins is a big CrossFit enthusiast. And that would make 100% sense where he wears custom cross trainers by Mosh. The one thing that's funny about this is his love of CrossFit is so intense that he's nicknamed CrossFit Jesus because he has a bearing resemblance to a lot of people's lords and savior. And I don't want to say anything heretic or spout any heresy. So I'm going to try to keep moving with that topic. But this makes sense to me because this is a gym shoe. And he is this high-flying all-rounder where he can beat you a myriad of different ways. He's a great seller. He's athletically probably at the top of the list 
Just you it, better be being CrossFit. CrossFit Jesus. But it's funny because I can see that in the shoe customization. It's very minimalistic. It's just black, gray, yellow. Like this is a competitive wrestler and CrossFitter shoe. It's no no frill. Very no much frills. unlike Sasha Banks. Like the complete opposite. It's very to the point. Sure. Now, let's see what else we got here. So. CM Punk, is that a wrestler? That is a wrestler. Is that a group of so, wrestlers? No, it is one wrestler. So CM Punk is, for a lot of wrestling fans, the one that got away. So when we talk about other characteristics of great wrestlers, we talk about their mic skills. And CM Punk has probably the greatest mic skills of anybody not named The Rock or Chris Jericho in this modern era. Like acting or music? A- acting, like pontificating, spouting these monologues about how much he's more superior than you. So CM Punk in particular, his whole character is based on the fact that he has a straight edge persona. So he thinks he's better than you because he doesn't partake in alcohol or drugs. And his whole idea was he's just a very good technical wrestler. He may not be the biggest, he may not be the strongest, he may not be the fastest, but he's a student of the game. He knows how to beat you a number of different ways. He's a great submission wrestler. He can get off the top rope if he needs to. He can try to hang in their power. But the fact that he has the status of the one that got away was he quit at the prime of his career because he was so fed up with the way things were being run in the WWE. He cited a lot of stagnant decisions in terms of the creative that was being offered to these wrestlers in terms of storylines. And he only recently came back, but he's come back in a commenter role. And the thought process is, will we ever get to see him wrestle again? So the way I could describe this in terms of a basketball comparison is if Katie decided that I have this Achilles tear, I will never want to play basketball again. So that is a very apt comparison that I think is appropriate. KD would never do that, but it's that type of gravity. It can almost be like an NFL. I think NFL would be an easier mm-hmm. analogy to make. So like you get a really you get your bell rung so freaking hard and you're 24 years old and you knock yourself back five years. You know what? And you have a life scare. And you're like, I'm done. Like, this is this. why you're my co-host on the sports podcast, the Ricky Williams saga. Yeah. In a sense, where he gave up he gave up his contract in the NFL. I don't want to say he gave up because he's infinitely tougher than I am for playing that sport as long as he did. Yeah. He gave up because he wanted to preserve his future self. And he also didn't agree with some of the directions of the league. Look up Ricky Williams' holistic healing and stuff. That's very interesting. Yes. But the CM Punks by Mosh, they were the City Pack Air Jordan 10 Chicago. So it was like a that old Chicago flag. But it has like a rise against like rock is he like a rocking CM he's Punk? A like, very much so two things exactly to your point he's from chicago so the cm and cm punk there's a lot of speculation of what that stands for so he is at different times said it stands for cookie monster it stands for chick magnet but a lot of people think it stands for chicago made because he identifies with the city of chicago as his that's hometown. why he would have so that's that's like the next level kind of like why mosh is such a good customizer because he obviously found that story and told it because it's the, the throwback flag. Chicago Air Jordan 10. It's like, that's, yeah, that's crazy. That's, huh. That's a, that's, that's why we have you here on the sports podcast. Oh, no, you're cause, too kind. Because that's an insight I would have never in my entire life. No, but about. once again, like a great two-man game, you were the one that perpetuated me to that insight. So we will stop the Mutual Admiration Society and look at the next show. I like you, man. No, no I, like I like you, you man. man. So did we just one. become best friends? I think we did. Yes. Um, now this one, the shoe tells me a lot about the wrestler. So tell me if my visual is matching 
the person itself. And keep in mind, we're going to have a post on the website with pictures of all these shoes so you can see what we're talking about if you want to check it out on sneakerhistory.com when this, when this episode airs. But Randy Orton has an Air Force One that is – it reminds me of all those bad 90 dudes with like uh, tribal tattoos everywhere, um, like a nice arm sleeve of them. Maybe he has like a band. But um, very just – yeah, man, I, I wear uh, skull rings. You are very on the nose. So Randy Orton is a third-generation superstar in the sense that his grandfather was a wrestler, as was his dad. And he kind of came out to little fanfare. But one thing that was peculiar about him was the fact that he had that late 90s staple of the arm tattoo. And now, 15 years later, he has two full sleeves just like you described. Oh, man. I'm good sometimes. You're... you're the people whisperer, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Felici. Falky. We're Falky. super close. Hey, I got your name wrong. No, I'm so sorry. Names are tough. No, I'm not even I, – I kid you not when I say names are tough because names are hard sometimes. But that's so funny that I got that so on the nose because just like a black Air Force One high with the strap still in it, I'm like, that's, that's, a, very, that's a very particular – shoe and a very custom, particular customization i literally watch robbie go through the zach alfanakis meme where he's calculating different things and he's waiting and he's waiting and he's struck right at the right spot to let me know his assessment of randy orton and that's very accurate so well done robbie we have our moments sometimes in this fine life so is, is he an old i'm guessing from the armbands he's an older wrestler uh older, wwf times no no so he the wwf transition was around 2003 2004 oh that's why oh i thought okay yeah so he's now you know now you know he is still very much in the game in fact wrestlemania when it's dropping i believe in the first week of april he will probably main event this year so he is very good. He has the pedigree. I mean, similar to the concepts we talked about in the basketball episodes as well. Is he's got the pedigree there. He's got the skill set there. At times, he's a little unmotivated, but right now he's entering a feud with a pl- uh, player, with a wrestler that's recently returned from nine years on the bench because he had a career-threatening injury that thought that this particular guy that he's wrestling, Edge, would never wrestle again. But Edge is back. They're going to wrestle, and that seems to be the main event for WrestleMania, which is wrestling's equivalent of the Super Bowl in no other terms. Okay. Well, super insightful. I had no idea it was that long ago, but now you know. So these two, I this person, correct me if she has a sister, twin sisters. I think I know this story. And they do a lot of work together. Um, Nikki Bella, yep. and it's a Nike Dunk High. It says fearless. Maybe that's like her, her thing, that her, is, her slogue. That is definitely her slogue. In fact, what's funny about it is, she has the slogan written on her chest, and then she does a Hulk Hogan type oh, yeah. removal, and there's a athletic sports bra there. So even when she's fearless, she rips the fear away. And you are right. She's one of two. A lot of people might know her as John Cena's ex-girlfriend. She has recently retired, but every now and then she'll come back for a match. So once again, spot on your assessment. Just a super, I mean, from a sneakerhead perspective, super clean, red, black, white, dunk with team and fearless written all over it. It's just, again, we'll have pictures of this on the website, just super clean. Um, was she like, just was her and her sister, um, were they just like, they're super pretty, like killing it or were they like champion? Like, so they had a nice evolution. And where do you rank wrestlers like that? Are they, like the entertainers who are like the, like the, uh, I don't know how to say it, but it's like your, your all-star who never really go, your all-pro that doesn't do much. Well, we like to call them 
think of them in a sense as being critically acclaimed. They may not have the titles or the accolades to be a very popular wrestler, but true heads know. Okay. They, they being the Bella Twins, are very interesting because how they debuted was you saw one of them, and they're both very beautiful, gorgeous girls. And they went through a match. Something happened in the match, and we saw this girl roll herself out of the ring, and then all of a sudden we saw somebody completely the same as her take her place, roll up the opponent, who I forget at the time, and they won. And that's when we realized this one beautiful girl is really two beautiful girls. And that's indicative of a lot of wrestling introductions of twins. So they always so you don't know there's a twin. You don't know a twin until the twin beats you. And you're like, what? What happened here? What? There's two of them. Uh, they were initially known as being very pretty girls. But then what happened was they decided that women in wrestling should no longer just be pretty faces. They also want to have these intense matchups, show these great amounts of athleticism and skill. And they were kind of at the forefront of ushering in this current era that also includes Sasha Banks, which is considered the golden era of female wrestling, where now we are seeing females main event events in the thought that Earlier, they were only good for popcorn matches, meaning matches that you wouldn't have to see because you would want to rather get popcorn and stand in concession lines. That's extremely interesting. That's a really good take. Um, Every now and then. My, my thought about it is, or I guess my question from that is, are there like two different nights of wrestling where there's like... So right now, there are... Women's and men's. Uh, so... Yeah, you have women wrestling and you have men wrestling. And WWE has been very careful of how it's introduced female wrestling to the masses. Earlier, it almost seemed that they would only feature Asian female wrestlers because it was a more defined concept over there. And there was a certain technical skill that matched the men. And then when WWE decided to put a little bit more money towards the American women wrestling scene, they initially thought that women should be seen and not heard, meaning they're there almost as pseudo ring girls. Anytime you would see a beautiful woman on the screen, it would be on some scantily uh, clad clothing. They're only doing matches like bra and panty matches or mud wrestling matches. And I think that might have been okay for a previous era, but this current era that we're in, where we're all about the empowerment of all people, regardless of gender, creed, religion, skin color, all that. That led to the fact that, hey, you know what? Women can wrestle. And more often than not, the average woman wrestler right now tends to be a little bit more fundamentally sound than her male counterpart. So it's similar to the argument we see with the WNBA player yeah. comparing to an NBA player. So That's a very acute observation. I keep saying acute. It's, it's a great observation because WNBA all the time, like you have to be more on your game to make layups over people. You can't just dunk over them. Like you got to like think more creatively and be more, you know, yeah. have the fundamentals. Yes. The, the the Bella sisters, they are, other than like the gentleman I mentioned at the top of this episode, they're the only like real new wrestlers I knew just from Mosh. Sure. And they, like, those are pretty chicks and the shoes are really cool. I don't know if like they're just there to be pretty faces or they're actually good. So that's really good insight on their kind of career. Uh, this next guy, I know it's from like 2010 times just from the shoe that he mm -hmm. used and the time. Bret Hart, which... I keep thinking the 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 motocross, not Harry Hart. Harry Hart, who was married to Pink, which also goes back. To and as the shoe is pink, and as a Las Vegas grad, obviously you know about Harry Hart. Yeah, grew there. Yes. So it's a LeBron nine PS, one of the best, in my opinion, regardless of whether it's postseason or not, one of the best LeBron shoes ever made. Do you think I he love that shoe. Modified the South Beaches there. 
No, these are um, they're probably they, they made a white pair. Okay, and he did some spray paint job here. I don't I think I have no idea. I always say like he painted them. So I, I'm not an artist. I would love to get him on the podcast one day and pick his brain to how you do this. Can I please be there for that? That that'd be fantastic. But it's this pink Bret Hart LeBron Nine. So it's a very techy shoe, but it's very bright. It's kind of flamboyant. So let me tell you there, Bret Hart is my favorite wrestler. So he's ever? why ever. So he's why I fell in love with wrestling. Uh, the fact that you mentioned this is a techie shoe speaks very highly to the Bret Hart connection because Bret Hart was probably the best technical wrestler I've ever seen. He prided himself on being what he called the excellence of execution. One of his catchphrases or slogies was he's the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. And in terms of a player comparison, I would go almost with Tim Duncan. He has this solid set of fundamentals that just showcases his technical brilliance in every way imaginable. He can hit any move from any angle. He can make it look like he is making the other person roll around in pain and in agony. But in actuality, he was renowned for being one of the best protectors of his fellow wrestlers. So when you're going through these moves, there's an understanding that the person that's executing these moves is also the one watching your back because they have to make sure you land properly so you don't injure yourself. And pretending to break someone's arm, not to actually break Exactly. And Bret Hart was known for being the one technically sound wrestler that if you were a wrestler with an injury, you would love to have Bret Hart because Bret Hart would take care of you because not only would he protect your actual injury, he would still sell it and make you look like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that's interesting about Bret Hart is he gets a knock because he wasn't necessarily the most charismatic guy on the mic. That depends on who you ask. And flamboyant isn't a word I would associate with him, but this shoe is pretty flamboyant because it calls into the iconography of Bret Hart being that pink and black. And the whole idea that, is color scheme, pink that was his color scheme because he wanted to have that flamboyance because at times he felt he wasn't that flamboyant on his mic skills. So he mm-hmm. felt that at least I have the wardrobe to showcase that flamboyance. Okay. So, I mean, really high level statement here. Wrestling is just as much about the storytelling and the mic skills Yes. As it is the actual physical. You now know more than 30% of wrestling fans, right? Nice. Good job, Robbie. But um, that's, again, really calling in to, I mean, obviously he's a professional customizer. So it makes sense that he would have that kind of insight to know that that's his trunks. Uh, that's what he wears when he wrestles. It's just from somebody else, from a sneaker perspective, as a far looking at them, you think, oh, that's dope. That dude's shoes are cool. Like, and... I mean, I'll give you one more example. There was a pair of Kobe Mamba Curios. I think it was the 11 that had a similar color scheme of the pink and gray and black. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I had a pair of those Mamba Mercurials. Yeah, the Mamba Curios or Mamba Mercurials. And I remember going to the ES in Portland and getting a pair. And I'm just in line and somebody else has the same pair. So we're kind of doing the, hey, nice shoes, nice shoes thing. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I know they're called the Mamba Curios, but they're always going to kind of be the hitmans to me. Similar experience. Like, Dog, I was the biggest Bret Hart fan growing up. And once again, you bond over these little moments. And I can't think of anything else in my life that allows me to do that other than sneakers or sports or hip hop. So once again, going back to the mission statement of the entire Sneaker History Podcasting Network, you live for moments like that. That's super cool, man. It breaks my heart because I sold those shoes for like 55 bucks a year ago. They didn't fit my foot right. And I really wish I had them. This next pair, I really wish I had. And I know this guy too, because uh, Mosh does a lot of stuff for him. And he pops up on various sneaker blogs. Enzo Amore. Yep, Enzo Amore. Amore. 
And these are some gold leopard print shits, Jordan 14 lows. I love the 14 low because like the flowing lines on the side and the perforations. Doing it in gold and doing it with that animal print, so fly. Like this is the kind of animal print Jordan brand needs to release. This is so tight. And this tells me this guy is very flamboyant. He's very, I want to say social. He's yes. very, um, he, he can stir a crowd if he has oh, these shoes on. So I will say this. Everything I just told you about Bret Hart being so technically proficient, Enzo Amore is the complete opposite of that. Okay. Batman is all... There's a wild man running around. All, in the ring. I will send you clips. And I think all my wrestling fans know he was the first guy to tap back into this whole idea of, do you remember the New Age Outlaws when you were a wrestling fan? Oh, you didn't know? Yo ass better call somebody. I heard that quote from other people and like comedy stits. I didn't know that was from wrestling. And maybe I've got the origin completely wrong, but there were these two wrestlers, the New Age Outlaws, that was their rallying cry every time they would go to battle. Okay. And it was this call and response from the audience and they were just renowned for this audience engagement that we hadn't seen in wrestling at arguably wrestling's peak in terms of how popular it was. Enzo Amore is the first wrestler that we've seen since then to elicit that reaction from a crowd where he just had a way with words. He called himself uh, Shit Talker Skywalker, and he has probably some of the funniest- I'm smiling right now. It's good. Your Diodora outfit is something he would wear. So I will send you some YouTube clips, but he was exactly what you just said. Very flamboyant. He loved the gold. He loved his Jordans. I think at one point he had some sort of exclusivity deal with Finish Line where he would get the sneakers a week or two earlier than when their actual release date was, and he would wear them on screen, and then they would tie that back into some product integration with Finish Line. So so this next one, I want to know if it's like a federation or if it's a group. Sure. It's WCW, and these ones are actually done by Creative Customs, another renowned customizer. And these are some Jordan 6 that are freaking nuts. Like these have so much going on. Like, there has to be a story behind why they're so crazy. Sure. I see NWO, which I know is New World Order. Yes. And Sting was an NWO? Yes, he was. And that's where I stopped. So tell me what's going on here. So WCW was the closest thing that the WWE had as a potential competitor. So when we were watching wrestling in the late 90s, there was a period of time called the Monday Night Wars because Monday night was when WWE Raw would air. And then at the same time, WCW Nitro would air. Nitro, that sounds familiar. On USA Networks. Raw was on USA. Nitro was on TNT. Okay. You got it right. You you are on the money. I've never seen that. Exactly. And WCW for the longest time was looked at as the little brother. And they would always get the leftovers of the WWE in the sense that anytime older WWE talent wanted a payday, they would go to WCW, work a couple of months, and then kind of get themselves back into regular shape to try and get another contract with the WWE. So what happened in terms of a turning point in that whole battle was the fact that Hulk Hogan signed with WCW. And for his first couple of years, he was a classic Hulk Hogan, very eat your vitamins, say your prayers, be better than good and all that. This is 90s? This is mid 90s and then what happened was we had two wrestlers who were in their prime who weren't older talent from wwe slash wwf deciding we are going to go to the greener pastures of the wcw and when they did that they came up with this group or this organization or this stable called the new world order 
And they were this anti-authority hijacking figure that would literally stop the matches of other wrestlers, beat up the other wrestlers, and then make some point about how they're so much superior and how they're the biggest boys in the yard and they're going to run shit from here on out. And you just see this group that initially started with these two guys. Who are they? Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, also known as Razor Ramon and Big Daddy Cool Diesel. Yes, I'm a grown-ass Big fan Daddy movie. Cool Diesel. Yeah. I love it. Yep. Uh, underrated gay icon, I'm sure, for all the uh, imagery and yeah. whatnot. So what happened there was at an event in 1996 at Bash on the Beach, they said they had a third man. And this third man was going to change the way wrestling was going to go forward. And people were unsure who it could be. And lo and behold, Hulk Hogan comes out initially as a good guy. He's going to help the good guys beat these two outsiders and vanish them forever. But then he betrays his good guy friends, wears the black and white, and that's when the NWO takes it to another level. And that's how they turn into the cultural phenomenon that you see now reference a lot in streetwear and in hip hop. Mm-hmm. I definitely heard NWO like, the New World Order and like yeah. hip hop verses. So like, I did not know but what that see, came and from. And there's also that whole Illuminati thing because I think sometimes they are referencing to the Illuminati and other times they might be referencing the wrestling organization. Okay. So this next guy, I'm going to let you say his name so I don't want to butcher anything. Sure. But go ahead, go for it. Oh, I'm sorry about that, Robbie. That is Shinsuke Nakamura. And he is one of those guys that is super flamboyant. He's a visual storyteller. The popular comparison that is made about Shinsuke is the fact that he's almost got this Freddie Mercury type of big dick energy where he's just overly flamboyant. He's constantly messing with the crowd, but there's just a certain way he does things that we've never seen before and interpret it as anything but cool because it is exceptionally amazing to watch him. And what this is also- big dick energy because it is just like a another Air Force One high by Mosh and they're just, they're big dick energy. They're bright red, red, I mean, black check, but... The heel says something. Strong style. Strong style. What's that like? His calling? So kind of. So Shinsuke, as you can see, is a wrestler of Japanese origin. So one difference between Japanese wrestling and American wrestling is American wrestling is a lot more dramatic and for show. And it's almost like a drama club. Japanese wrestling prides itself on its physicality and what they call strong style, meaning they lay their punches in, they lay their kicks in. Everything is meant to be an actual fight. So Shinsuke is known as the king of strong style because he threw the heaviest punches and the hardest kicks. I like his style, man. It's like, I like the Freddie Mercury comp because there's a, he's wearing like a red leather vest. Yeah. Think of the thriller jacket, but without the sleeves, right? It's pretty dope. I like it. So this is the prodigal son then. Yes. Shane McMahon. So Shane McMahon and Air Jordan one high and it looks like money. It's, Various shades of green. So uh, part of that. Signs, yep. well, what's going on with all this money? And I would wear this shoe. Like regardless. I, of, I think I have seen you wear this shoe in my mind at some point. They're but, dope, man. It's like everything bad about the Celtics, everything good about money perfect. in one shoe. So like you alluded to here, Robbie, you see that the Shane starts off with the dollar sign. So is wrestling, that his thing? That is his thing. So wrestlers nowadays are really known about their music because when there's a big Donnie Brook in the middle of a ring, you hear a wrestler's music. before Donnie Brook? Like just another term for a kerfuffle or a fight. Okay. Yeah, that's my inner JR. Sorry about that. Um, so Shane McMahon told Call Sign is, here comes the money because he is the money. He's yeah. money personified. And to your point, he's got the dollar bill associated with it. And because he is who he is, which is in this case a McMahon, he has the cachet to warrant such bold proclamations. Cachet. 
Cache by Mache, if you don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, dang. <laughs> oh, that, that, nice. That, that, that's a good one. Uh, but so, I mean, okay, this is a little bit more about him. So he's Vince McMahon's son, grandson of the founder. And is, is he young? Is he old? So he's now, I would say, in his mid-50s. And his Shane's in his mid fifties. He's in his mid fifties. He's still putting on that. So he's once again taken a bit of a hiatus. So the thing about Shane was the fact that he always felt, even though he was the boss's son, that he was a wrestler at heart. So okay. when he would do his matches, he was known for taking bumps, which are the falls that these wrestlers take, of unusually high places. He's taken a fifty foot tall bump. He's taken. Wait, so you're bumped off of something fifty feet up, and you fall yes. on your back, or you yes. fall? Yes, we we will make a complimentary episode to this where i will just showcase different various clips of each wrestler that you've mentioned today and we're just going to get a camera on you and you're going to have to react to everything reaction videos reaction videos we always need to pivot to video when we're unsure how anything goes that's super sick but that's super scary so i mean i guess he's a very old bodied 50 no he's still very fit but it's also one of those things where he's selective about his bumps i think had he been a full-time professional wrestler he's going to break down when he hits 30 but because he's been very smart about how he engages within the wrestling universe he's extended his shelf life okay i mean so this next guy i feel like has a good shelf life because this is a very quick it's an ultra boost it's a running shoe so my first thought was all right this guy is quick um he's athletic and i think that mosh probably takes that kind of stuff into consideration when choosing a model if the athlete didn't just ask them, hey, make me a custom with this shoe. But this is a Finn Baylor Adidas Ultra Boost. It has some, looks like some claw marks. Please tell me he scratches people. Uh, so he is essentially a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type of character. Okay, so maybe he's like scratching through the surface of what he really is inside? That is a very astute way of looking at it. So he has Finn Balor, the mild-mannered professional wrestling superhero Finn Balor doctor by day in a sense like he's this he's another dude that I literally don't think has ever seen a car let alone ingested one where he's got like a 24 pack he's super fit good looking guy and then he's got this persona called the beast and please correct me if I'm wrong and the beast is this war paint and what happened was when he was in the indies he had creative creative freedom so he would essentially be a cosplay wrestler with all this different paint so there are certain entrances where he looks Don't like... Don't tell me he did like Hindi blue face. He didn't do Hindi blue face. That would have been appreciated, especially with like the spouting arms and all that. He did the Joker. He did Bane from Dark Knight Rises. He did a Freddy Krueger one. He's done a Jack the Ripper one because he's from Ireland. So okay. he's got this European flair behind him. And he's always known to be creative in that sense. When he went to the WWE because they weren't able to agree to getting all these different copyrights, he just channeled that energy into this one character. Called so the Demon King. So he's Sorry, physically no. painting himself. He's physically painting himself. It takes about six hours or so, and it's quite the transformation. And the name was the Demon King, so not the Beast. Sorry about that. Does he Wrestling. come out as Finn Balor? And like, I- so it depends on the match. So if it's a match that he feels comfortable in, he's going to be Finn Balor. But when he is in a match that he feels he needs that extra something, that's when we see the emergence of the Demon King. And they wrestle differently, I'm guessing. Yes and no. No. They have a similar moveset, but to your point, when he's the Demon King, he wrestles with a bit more passion and intensity. Okay, that's... Huh. I'm very interested to see how they do that kind of stuff. I'll have to see the videos. Yeah, sure. It's hard to visualize it. No, 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 no. Not at all. So we have another Shane McMahon here, another Air Jordan 1, which plays into the story you said earlier about how Mosh probably got into this, gifting Jordan 1s to him. 
during wrestling. And then here's another, not Jordan one, but gifting Jordans. Right. And this is another Jordan one. This is a, it looks like a fragment Jordan one, but it says Shane O Smackdown. Is that like a special so there are event? Two, yes, exactly. So there are two events on a weekly cadence that the WWE runs. And now at the time of the shoe, there were two. Now there's three. So on a weekly, monthly, weekly basis, we'll have two shows, Raw and SmackDown. They're kind of looked at as the lack of a better term, Eastern and Western Conference of WWE. Oh, okay, I know. Each show has exclusive talent that's associated with it. Shane McMahon and Stephanie McMahon, his sister, because they have that McMahon last name, they tend to be the owners or the managers of the two shows. Shane's show is SmackDown. Say that five times fast. Shane O's Smackdown. Okay, Shane's show is SmackDown. Yeah. So what's the, the sister's show called? Her show is called Monday Night Raw. That's the Monday night show that we all grew up on. Their color scheme is always red. So you this always hear them blue. as – Exactly. So SmackDown is the blue brand. Raw is the red brand. And earlier what used to happen was Raw was the flagship show, and SmackDown was the show where young talent would go to kind of prove themselves. So it almost was – SmackDown being the Eastern Conference, where it was cute that what was going on there and sometimes the basketball was better, but all the heavy hitters were on Raw. And okay. now, because Fox has acquired SmackDown, we've seen an identity reversal, where SmackDown is now considered the A show that has all the heavy hitters, and Raw is this testing or proving ground for you. What day account. is SmackDown on? Now it's on Friday. So it's Monday and Friday, respectively. Right. And then they also have a third show called NXT, which a lot of people initially viewed as their tr- uh, AAA ball equivalent. Okay. But now that's been escalated to what they call major level status because there's a new independent promotion that we alluded to earlier called AEW that started from this idea that wrestling as presented by the WWE got extremely stale and we want to offer a fresh new alternative. Okay. So are they both owned by Fox? Are they both shown on Fox or so Fox, all three? Fox is shown on Fox. Oh, sorry. SmackDown is shown on Fox. Raw is shown on USA and it's owned by that NBC property like okay. from General Electric. And NXT now is also part of the USA network. And in a way of things coming full circle, AEW is now shown on TNT. So we have that USA TNT Monday night dynamic and now it just takes place on So Wednesday. WWE can be... And many, it's like, yes, it's just like a basketball. Or exactly. Baseball. Okay. I did not think of that. Okay, cool. Now to kind of finish up the conversation with Mosh and wrestling shoes, you already brought up Enzo, but this is another Jordan that has the iconic 11. Yeah. The, the 11 low, but I think for him, the iconic leopard print. Yes. Like that's like his icon. Like that's his thing. That's his thing. He had it painted in his hair. I believe he has like a leopard skin tattoo as well. He very much is about that posh velour life, as we can see by these sneakers. Well, what's this slogan? So it's not soft. So his oh, catchphrase soft. is it WFT? S A W F T. Exactly. Okay. He's from Jersey, so his whole thing is calling people soft. And when he tells people how much great he is, or how much greater he is to everybody else, he also likes to emphasize that fact by saying, "I'm not soft." Mm-hmm. and that's part of his whole mindset and mentality of i may be five foot seven i may be 150 pounds soaking wet but i'm not soft i'm gonna go at any person regardless of their size or skill level because i want to prove my bona fides to the world this is probably my favorite of all of them because it's like a pantone baby blue 11 low and just mosh slammed on this one no is there anything special about like the aglets going on there uh, like, let, the, let me see i'm so some sorry golden 
Yeah, I mean, I think, isn't that the Versace logo right there? Yeah, so is he like designer? He loves his designer stuff. Okay, so because, it's, not, it's not costumey leopard print. It's no, like, no, no. I mean, he's one to let you know if things are fugazi or not, and he only deals in the authentic and the real, real, so to speak. So okay. I'm not surprised to see the Versace insignia right there. Man, I just ingested so much wrestling, and I'm not going to lie to you, I did not think I would be so interested in what you were saying, just because I'm sure other people like me who are not wrestling fans like to brush it off, like it's it's yeah. whatever. But I was very interested in every single person you talked about. And like, maybe you're selling it right just because you're a fan and the right fan to tell the story of it. Oh, that's very nice of you to but say. That was that was a lot more going on than what I thought chicks in little outfits and men in little trunks. Sure. I mean, uh, put it this way. I don't always have the most healthy of body image issues with myself, but wrestling has gotten me over that because I realized I don't have to have an eight pack person, uh, body to have confidence i can look to the enzo mores of the world and realize that they can captivate the room with just their spoken voice as their number one oh, weapon not ripped up not at all okay so he's a, he's like a jersey boy eating pasta and meatballs i mean he he's he's little guy that is five foot seven he's definitely oh, he's the, five foot seven he's like the runt of the litter and his whole move set is based around the fact that his best friend in wrestling is a guy that's seven feet tall and you can't teach that uh-huh. and all his moves involve the seven foot tall best friend doing wrestling moves to him and using him as a projectile to throw at other people oh so he, like, he has a tag team partner he has a tag team partner it's the his name is uh big cast big cast okay so they have kind of a jersey shore thing going that's hilarious. I mean, this it's kind of my last wrap-up question. Is there, like, a lot of doubles? Oh, yeah, the tag team. So uh, that is one of those things where, as I've gotten older, I've come to appreciate tag team wrestling a little bit more. And I think, similar to how I view basketball, I tend to gravitate towards the passers because when you make a great pass, two people are happy as opposed to one when you're just scoring on your own. And I just love teamwork in any way, shape, or form that I see it. So Big Cass is a passer then if he's throwing Enzo. Absolutely. He's a catcher and a pitcher. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to get canceled after the last statement. So sorry there. But, I mean, that was extremely insightful. And I hope somebody listening does a little bit of research on Mosh, does a little bit of research on their WWE. And who knows, maybe they've made a new fan and we should actually be getting sponsorship by the McMahon family. Here's hoping, right? I, I Like I said, I, my whole goal is to get you a Patagonia plug, but if we can get you some WWE tickets, I can live with that as well. WWE swag would be dope. But hey, if I've learned anything living in Portland, wrestling shirts are in, like old school wrestling shirts are in. Oh, absolutely. I've definitely also had that experience where I will be at a establishment of some kind and I'll see somebody wearing like a Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt or a Bret Hart shirt. I'm like, hey man, is he also one of your favorite wrestlers? And then there's the dead eye stare that I get like, uh, I don't know who this is. The shirt just looks cool, bro. And I'm like, all right, that's my time. It's like wearing a Pink Floyd shirt and like uh, uh, the, the there, there's a fence or something. Like, I, I think, no, 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 I think that's the Donald Trump thing. I think that, no, no, no. There's yeah, no. Right. <laughs> No, that actually is a wall. Oh, okay. So yeah, no. I think we'll leave on those corny jokes. Please do. But thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, hope you learned something different. And the best part is we really got to tie shoes into that. Yes. That's so, the genius of our network. The literal best of both worlds. But um, like we said a million times, um, follow Sneaker History. Um, make sure you check out our other episodes. There's now over 100 for you to choose from. So... Do the damn thing. Tell a friend. 
Um, we've already kind of shouted out where we're at, but Ro, tell them one more time where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at m 13 or on Twitter at Roheezy. I need to get that synergy like my co-host here who's at R-A-H-B-E-E-702. Well, you've heard that a hundred times. So if you're not following me, following me by now, I'm just falling apart. He doesn't want your phone. No, I, I, don't, I don't want you. Nah. But um, we appreciate you. We appreciate you listening and messing with sneaker history. And everybody have a good rest of your day. Hey everyone, this is Nick again. Before you take off, I wanted to ask a couple favors of you. If you're interested in more content from the Sneaker History crew, become a member of our Patreon page where we post daily content, drop exclusive episodes, and host monthly giveaways. We'll even help you hunt for your grails. Check us out at patreon.com slash sneakerhistory. Also, make sure you sign up for our email newsletter at sneakerhistory.com slash email. We send out weekly updates on the footwear business and what we're working on here at Sneaker History. Last but not least, take a second to tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how much it means to someone, and it might even plant the seeds for something even bigger. As always, we appreciate you, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.